The NBA playoffs are heating up and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Everybody, it is Friday, February 9th, 2024, and it is indeed a heck of a morning. We are live on the MMA Fighting Twitter space. You can hear the show in its entirety shortly thereafter on the MMA Fighting Podcasting Network. What's going on, everybody? I am Mike Heck. Hope you're having a wonderful Friday. Getting ready for a, a nice weekend. We are on the eve of... The UFC back at the world's most famous apex. UFC Vegas 86 goes down tomorrow. Middleweight main event for the third card in a row. This time it is Jack Hermanson versus Joe Pfeiffer. Co-main event, Dan Ige versus Andre Feely. We have Ihor Poteria versus Robert Brijek. Brad Tavares, Gregory Rodriguez. Michael Johnson, Darius Flowers, Hadolfo Vieira, Armin Petrosian. That is your main card. And we have 14 fights. And we'll see how this one goes. Last week's card was a slog and a half. I have a feeling this one's going to be more fun. I like this card better as a whole. So we'll see how it all plays out. It's been kind of a weird week, everybody. Not a ton going on. A lot of speculation on UFC 300. That's really it, man. I mean, there's just not a lot going on right now. Uh, shout out to Alexander Volkanovsky and the crew over at Sportsbet. That video, I'm sure you guys saw it by now. If you haven't seen it, go to MMAfighting.com and check it out. Uh, Volkanovsky just leaning into this too old narrative. In just a spectacular way, it is tremendous stuff. Uh, if you haven't seen it, 
highly recommend you guys go out and check that out. But we could talk about Vegas 86. We could talk about a new main event that was just announced for Vegas 87. Good Lord. We could talk about MMA, combat sports. It is Friday, so we let our hair down a little bit. Those of us who have it, I am not one of those people. We could talk about whatever the hell you want. So, left lane MMA was first in line. We will begin with him. Left lane MMA, are you there? I'm here. Can you hear me? Yes. All right, well, you're talking about UFC Vegas 86 and UFC Vegas 87, but I'm sure you have not heard the recent fight announcement, the news of the century. We've all been waiting for Umar Namagamedov fight news, and we've got it. He's fighting some random guy, making his debut. So, yeah, exciting stuff. Um, just wanted to get you I – I can't read you the guy's name right now. I don't have it on me, but – just wanted to get your thoughts on that. I didn't really know what I was going to ask, but I saw this just before I was going to jump on, so I thought I might as well get it out there. Fighting some Kazakhstani dudes, 17-1, and one, I believe I saw the record. Um, And I know there's going to kind of be two narratives going around. There's going to be like the, why is this fight being made? Umar's just getting an easy opponent. Why shouldn't he be fighting someone better? And then I assume the counter to that will be all the people that are better don't want to fight him. Um, and I'm not really sure fully where I sit because I'm sure there are a lot of top 15 guys that have probably said no to that matchup. But if you look at the bantamweight rankings, a lot of the top guys, one, are already booked. So it's not like he was going to get a top five opponent, nor would he have deserved that, in my opinion. He hasn't beaten any ranked opponents. He got ranked by beating Nate Maness. Don't know how that happened, but it did. Um, so I'm just curious. I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? How, to what extent do you think these top guys are just saying no? And to what extent do you think that would be called ducking? Or if you get like a guy like Corey Sanhagen, who's already accepted it, I know he's injured, but like I would never call that ducking for a top five guy who is in no place to fight down the rankings um, for him to say no to that fight. So if there was a guy like, like a Rob Font or a Martinez that said no, I think that's a different conversation. Then you can be like, all right, maybe he's ducking, but I don't know. In my opinion, it's just whatever. It'll be interesting to see Umar back in there because he hasn't fought since January of last year. And, yeah, we'll see how he goes. And I'm actually kind of intrigued because usually these short-notice opponents against really high-level guys do pretty well. Like, obviously, Joachim, uh, Joachim Silva did well against Armin. Lopez did well against Evolve. So do you think we could maybe be in for a similar situation here and we get a little bit of a scare on the Umar hype train of sorts. But that's all I got. Thanks, Mike. Interesting. I was not aware of this. Um, I was not aware of this. Wow. So I'm, I'm just kind of looking it up right now. Um, I guess underdog management, who I would guess is the management squad of one Bexat Almakan, which if that is the fight, that's super fun. Almakan is... 
is like real good. Dude is a finishing machine. He's looked incredible over the last few years. Just beating dudes up. So if this is the fight, pretty good one. It's a pretty good one. I mean, it's not like one you'd expect to happen considering where people kind of rank Umar right now. But look, it's a good test. And this, is, this might be the toughest test he's had, honestly. So I, I like it. To go from Corey Sanhagen to, to Bexod is a little different. But at this point, like I, I, if I'm the UFC, and I'm sure they are paying attention to how people view him. I'm sure they pay somewhat attention to like how people rank these fighters. And obviously as a website, we are very high on Umar Namagamadoff. You just got to get him out there. You just got to get him out there. I know he wanted to fight March 2nd. You're not going to get a guy like, you're not going to get an established ranked name to say, yeah, I'll fight that guy on like a month's notice. You know, so this is probably the best of all the worlds we could get here. It's a really intriguing fight. And for those who like look at Bexot's name and they think to themselves like, oh, this guy's just going to be a pushover. I don't think so. I think it's going to be a good fight. I like it. I think Bexot's UFC ready. He's ready than 60% of the contender series guys. So yeah, good matchmaking. If this is it, we obviously haven't like fully confirmed this, but. We will, we will work on it. Pretty wild. Pretty wild stuff. I hope that's the fight. I really do. Uh, you go ahead. Yeah, sup, Mark. Kick of the morning. Uh, just wanted to uh, discuss a few things. Firstly, uh, with this upcoming weekend, uh, who do you have winning between... Joe uh, Pfizer and um, Hermanson, and what kind of uh, strategies do you reckon Hermanson can really utilize, you know, to, I guess, counter some of uh, Joe's striking advantages that he has against Hermanson? You know, um, do you also think his, he, he has, um, if he beats Joe Pfizer, I mean, he's not really going to be anywhere in the division, but do you think it helps him kind of, get back in in the case of being a good key for division and uh, another thing i just wanted to briefly talk about was um about Jorge Masvidal, just a little bit of revisionist history just just more as a fan how um proud i was seeing him uh, become as successful he did and you know just going a little bit trip down memory lane like i was watching a lot of his uh older fights recently and some of his older interviews i just like saw how he was talking about how he wanted to be this really successful star for the sport and make a lot of money. And it's crazy because he, I remember like when he, um, I was watching him in 2017. That's kind of when I got um, into his game more. I saw how he, he was talking about like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm working like two jobs, you know, help my kids, help myself. And then, you know, and, and you would never imagine two years later, he won that amazing, incredible run in 2019, became a fucking mega star. And not only just a star for the sport, but people, who don't even watch the sport knew who he was. And then, you know, he was the reason in 2020, the UC had their biggest um, card of the year outside of, you know, Conor versus Cowboy. And that, that wouldn't have been possible without his thing. And 
I sometimes wonder if he had beat Usman, did, does he become even more of a bigger household name for the sport? And does he, you know, maybe fight Usman for a rematch or does he just do other things like have the graduate Kobe fight, you know, Gilbert Burns down the line? You know, I, I sometimes wonder how those things would happen. I mean, you know, the guy was definitely, he was not the best fighter, but I definitely think um, he was a very interesting guy. And I think a lot of you uh, MMA fans have taken him for granted in you know recent years due to all the shit that's happened with him. But trust me, man, you know, in five years' time, people will come to appreciate that run. Like that run that you know Jorge Masvidal had as a fighter, he's one of the few people I can say who had that aura mystique run that we talk about when it comes to Conor McGregor, you know, or maybe when we talk when it comes to Hamzad or. Um, even like Anthony Pettis, for example, you know, that's really all I have to say. Thanks, man. Yeah, I'll, I'll talk more about Mazadal in a second. Um, main event tomorrow, I'm, I'm picking Joe Pfeiffer. I just think he is just a madman. And as far as like a strategy for Jack Hermanson, look, I don't think it's a really like technical strategy here. I think it's honest for him, it's survive, survive the early rounds because. Pfeiffer's not a guy that sees a lot of third rounds. He certainly doesn't see a lot of fourth and fifth rounds. So I think Hermanson's best bet is just just survive. And he's been pretty durable. Like, he's been finished, but he's been pretty durable. So if he could just survive the onslaught and just kind of let Pfeiffer wear himself out, if that's even possible, it's probably his best chance to win. But the UFC matchmakers know what they're doing here. This is really good matchmaking for what they're trying to do. They're trying to turn Joe Pfeiffer into, you know, a rising contender in this division. And he's a very interesting case right now. Middleweight is very fascinating right now. I know there's a ton of middleweighty middleweight fights. And in fact, we just kind of had one in the main event last week. And we have all some contenders tomorrow for, for sure. But yeah, I, I think Piper's going to win, but if this fight gets to round three, it's got to get really interesting, in my opinion. Yeah, I, the Mazdal run was insane. It was lightning in a bottle. I don't know if you're ever going to see that. Like, we might see that again sometime. Maybe it's Jim Miller. Like, maybe Jim Miller is that guy right now because he's just on a great run. If he goes to the UFC 300 and runs over Bobby Green, like maybe he's the guy that we look at like, ooh, maybe he can go on that run. I, we all kind of thought Bobby Green could make that run. A guy who just fought a lot, kind of has that star potential, but just never really got the opportunity. Things just didn't click at the right times. But it happened for Mazadal, and Mazadal's an OG. He's been doing this shit forever and got his opportunity, made it work. And, yeah, he saved the day, got a lot of money for that first Usman fight, which was not a good fight. But, again, Mazadal took that on super short notice, and it cut a lot of weight. Usman just did what he had to do to, to survive and win. But I think it still kind of worked out for him, right? Like, he still got big-ass fights, got the rematch with, with Usman, which a lot of people felt like he didn't deserve. But because of Mazadal's star power at the time, that he got brutally knocked out. He, he's one of the few, at least in this modern era, who has headlined a pay-per-view in a non-title capacity against Colby. That was an extreme buildup. And then, you know, gave it 
gave it a go with Gilbert Burns, and that's it. Like, I think the one thing that we missed out on was the Leon Edwards fight. Like, it's kind of, like, if there's, like, one regret for the Mazadal run, it's that we never got that fight. Like, how we didn't get that fight is unbelievable to me. Like, that was about as lay, a, a big a layup as you could possibly get, but it just never happened. So if there was, like, a what if, that's probably it. But other than that, dude's out there just doing the thing, made a lot of money, trying to establish himself in other ways as a promoter, and looks like he's going to end up boxing Nate Diaz when and where. We don't really know yet, but looks like they're close to finalizing that one from what I understand. Not done yet. No official announcement to be made at this moment, but looks like they're, they're getting closer. To, to putting that fight on. He's going to make more money. So good on him. Well done. But yeah, the Mazdal run was fun. Even before 2019, it was a lot of fun. Uh, Viking, go ahead. Hi, mm, Mike. I just want to know about Super Bowl. What is exactly Super Bowl? Super Bowl is, I mean, it's, it's the single match or the whole... Leave. What is Super Bowl exactly? And I just want to know why do you guys call rugby a football? Because you know I've seen rugby matches, and in those matches uh, there are very few chances when you kick the ball. So, what is the reason behind it? Thanks a lot. Thanks, man. Uh, well, in the states we call rugby rugby. So we, we don't make that mistake. Sometimes, you know, you hear football being referred to in the soccer context, but rugby, at least in my world, is rugby. And the Super Bowl, it's the NFL championship game. You go through the regular season, you go through the playoffs. There's two conferences. There's the AFC, there's the NFC, and the last team standing in each conference plays in the Super Bowl. They play one game for... The NFL world title, it is the most watched sporting event of the year every single year. It is a very, very big deal. That's why all these cities vie to have it. It is the biggest sporting event in the world. It's gigantic. And you got the Chiefs and the 49ers and the Taylor Swift effect. This might be the most watched Super Bowl of all time. And it's going to be a good game. I like both teams. I like both teams. So we'll see how it all plays out. But yeah, that's the Super Bowl. It's just the... The NFL championship game, one game, 60 minutes on that field decides it all, and only one team will remain. But it should be a fun watch. Looking forward to it. Let's go to J-Mac. What's up, J-Mac? Oh, no. J oh, do we have you? No. Uh, do the thing, J-Mac. Bounce out, bounce back in, and... We'll make it happen. Uh, let's go to Octagon Obsessed. Hello, Octagon Obsessed. Hey, Mike. Uh, can you hear me? Yep, I got you. Okay, awesome. So um, I, I was curious. Oh, now I lost you. All right, try again. Uh, J-Mac, again, I would bounce out if I were you. 
The NBA playoffs are heating up and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. Don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And new customers to DraftKings can bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And try to re-request and then Octagon Obsessed jump back in. Cole, do we have you? Yes, Mike. You always got me. Crystal clear. Um You got any thoughts on the Super Bowl? I mean, I know you were just talking about it, but I got a couple props for you that I like. I want your thoughts on them. For the jersey number of the first touchdown score over 22 and a half. Gets you McCaffrey and Kelsey. You might be screwed if Pacheco runs it in or something like that, but I kind of like that one. Also, with a little bit of juice, I like both teams to get a first down on the first drive. That's what I like. Anything from you? You got like a heads or tails bet? Anything you say, I'll ride it for a buck. What you want? Golly. So I like to play the props if I if, if I do – Place any wagers. Let me see if there's like anything fun. I always love the national anthem prop. That's like one of my favorites. And right now the over-under is 87 and a half seconds. And I believe it's Reba McIntyre who was singing the national anthem. I have a feeling it's going to go under that number. I have a feeling it's going to go under that number. I always love the run-pass bet, too. Like, what's the first play of the game? I like... I like your... uh, I like your bets. I like your plays. I think the only one I'll actually do is the National Anthem one. Because I I always like that one. And I'll go under 87 and a half seconds. Because Reba... Reba doesn't mess around. She gets in there and does her thing and gets out of there. So... But I like the the over-under jersey number, first score prop, especially with the McCaffrey and, and Kelsey. 
And I like the first down prop. It's good. It's, those are good ones. Those are good ones. But I think the Anthem's the only one I will actually like place some sort of wager on. And I'm going under 87 and a half seconds. Do we have you now, Octagon Obsessed? J-Mac, you're next. Hey, Mike, can you hear me? Yes, I have you. Okay, awesome. Thank you. Um, so, I, quick question. Um, so, I, I, asked, I asked people, I, saw, I see this all the time about how the UFC, you know, does not want to create stars or is bad at creating stars. Um, so my question to you is really, what's your opinion on that? And is the UFC like actually bad at creating stars or they don't want to create stars or is it just basically borderline impossible to replicate another Connor like star? Um, you know, my opinion on this is that I really, you know, I, I really just want your opinion. So thank you, Mike. Have a great day. It's a good question. Do they? It's tough to say because obviously they want stars, right? Because you're selling pay per views. And when said star fights on said pay per view, you want people to spend money to watch said fighter. The problem is they want. They want fighters to become stars and they will position certain ones to do so. But in this era of the UFC, at least this is my opinion, they want the fighters, whoever it may be, to be second fiddle to the company. And what I mean by that is they want the UFC to be the star. They want Dana White to be the star. They want Dana to be the face of the company, regardless of who's fighting. And that's how they positioned it. Like, it's all about Dana. It's all about the UFC. They are the brand. They are the star. They are the selling point right now. And they just, I don't think they want to run into any more situations where, while Conor McGregor was gigantic for them and is a huge reason why they were able to sell the company in 2016 for $4 billion plus, Conor became bigger than the company. And we saw how some of that stuff played out. Conor wanted a box. The UFC obviously made that happen and made a good amount of money doing it. But then Connor was able to kind of negotiate himself out of some certain things. They don't want that again. They don't want that again. They want to be able to kind of like control the narrative. They want to be able to sort of, and I'm not saying this in like a bad way. I'm not saying this is a shot. This is just what it is right now. The UFC is the star. The fighters are part of the platform, but they're not the biggest star. That's what it is. They just don't want to run into a situation where there's a guy or a gal who comes along who is bigger than the company. And you had it with Connor. And you had it with Ronda to some extent. And there are like others who are close, but they don't want that again. They don't want that to happen again. So can they build stars? Sure. Look, I mean, I don't think Sean O'Malley is like the biggest star in the world, but if he goes out there and melts Cheeto Vera, he is certainly in a position where they can turn him into one. There is a certain demographic of people and fans who love Sean O'Malley. And he passes like a lot of casual tests that others can't. 
And they're going to try to do that with Joe Pfeiffer. And they're going to try to do that with, with other fighters as well. If Ilya Taporia goes out there and beats Alexander Volkanovsky, like they have no choice. Like he is going to become a ma- he's going to become a fucking superstar if he goes out there and waxes Volk next Saturday. They're go- they're going to have to go to Spain. They're going to have to do all that shit, but they will not let him get bigger than the brand. And that's basically what it's what it comes to be now. They're going to build people up to a certain level, but they seems to be like they don't want them to go beyond that level if that makes sense so they don't have to deal with the bullshit negotiations they can kind of control how everything plays out they could be the star they could be the selling point dane is the face but we have these other cool fighters over there and again not a shot that's just the nature of the business right now that's why they become so successful that's why they're printing money left and right they don't even need to announce main events anymore in fact, they can announce main events such as Jarosinia Rosenstrike versus Shamil Gatsiev at the fucking apex. And people are going to be like, okay, this is dumb, but you're still going to watch it. So, yeah, they want to be the top billing more so than they want the fighters, if that makes any sense. That's my opinion on it. J-Mac, do we have you now? Yes. Can you hear me? Yes. Okay, good. <laughs> all right, great. Well, in the spirit of um, you see Free For All Friday, I just want to know if you watch Dana White's Fuck It Friday and if you've ever tried any of his recipes. <laughs> and do you think it'd be funny? I think it'd be funny if he came out with a cookbook, Dana White's Fuck It Friday cookbook. And uh, also, I was going to ask you, there's two uh, names that I thought were going to be huge stars in the UFC that never amounted to anything. Well, not anything, but uh, Gregor Gillespie and Mirsad Bektik. And I want to know two names of uh, UFC fighters that you thought were going to be big stars that never really amounted to anything. All right. Thanks a lot, Mike. And I'll listen off the air. Jesus, man. Those are, that's a good question. I mean, those are very good names. Uh, I mean, look, Gillespie is still, I mean, he's, I don't think either of those guys are going to be like superstars, but Gillespie has actually gotten more mentions not fighting than he has when he was fighting because he's not fighting right now. Everyone wants to know where Gregory Gillespie is right now. And I think, you know, where he's at, he's out fishing and I have no clue what is going on with him. Like literally no idea. We know he's out there just enjoying the outdoors life, but what the fuck, man? Like, when is he going to fight? It's been years. And he's like, always been like an interesting player in this division, but he wanted the Tony Ferguson fight. It never happened. He wants he, – I know he was offered the Armin Sarukian fight before Sarukian fought Gamrot, and he said no. And there you go. I mean, if, if, he's, if he's happy and he's making money and he's doing the thing, then good on him. Good on him. But those are – man, those are good names. Those are good names. I have to think about this. Roger Huerta would probably be like one of the names that sticks into my mind. Uh, there's a whole bunch. I have to think about this if I have to only pick two, but Huerta is like one that I thought was going to, he was going to be like a pretty big star and it just never really happened for him. Uh, I'll say one that's like still active right now. And it's just one of those things because I interviewed, at least like coming up, I interviewed so many fighters who either were like not in the UFC 
about to get into the UFC or only have like one fight on their books. I have to say, after my first conversation with Alexander Hernandez, I was like, damn, this guy, if he can get some wins, like he can talk a lot, like he can get over whether you like him or not. And then he kind of walked into that whole Donald Cerrone situation and he goes to the press conference and he's the talking point of the entire presser before that card, that first ESPN card. And then Cerrone just kind of waxed him. And I don't think Hernandez has ever really recovered from that. Like he's gone out and gotten some wins and he's still in the UFC and he's probably making some decent money. But he's a what if. Like what if he went out there and beat Cowboy? What if he went out there and just ran his ass over? And then, like, at the same token, like, what if his first UFC fight was just a normal UFC fight? What if it wasn't Benny Dariush on short notice where he goes out there and just knocks him out in a minute and then immediately is a top 15 guy, gets in there with OAM, wins a grueling fight, and then gets bumped right up to Cerrone in just his third UFC fight? Like, what if he got to develop at 24, 25, 26? Like most of these guys did. What if the contender series was a thing back then? And he just went in that way. Like there's, he's one of the big what ifs. And I honestly think like if he went out there and beat Cowboy, like we're looking at him in a whole different light. Because he's got this, he's got it all. Looks good getting off the bus. He's had some good fights and finishes. Dude could talk his ass off. But it just never fully all clicked for him. So that's one name that comes to mind. The fucking Fridays, have I ever watched them? Yes, I watched them early on. Do I watch them anymore? No, I do not. I do not. I was rubbed the wrong way by, you know, the New Year's Eve thing happened last year. The video comes out and it's just like, all right, maybe the world needs like a little breather from Dana. And then like we get a, we get a fucking Friday video like that week when we're still waiting on like statements from the UFC and from Endeavor, it was just in bad taste. And from that point on, I was just like, nah, rub me the wrong way. So I just kind of stopped, but Hey, good on him. People watch it and people like it. I've never tried a single recipe from it and I probably never will. Jay, go ahead. Hey, Mark, are you able to hear me? Yes. All right. So I just wanted to get your opinion on the Instagram post that Sage Northcom made, I believe yesterday about, his situation in Japan, because uh, he tagged almost like every uh, big MMA media outlet in that post, and I would not think he would be doing this if a, if he didn't if this did not happen, because the way he described the situation made it seem like Chachri and the people over at One did not inform him about the visa situations between him and his coaches until the day of the fight, and that potentially if they were to corner him that they could potentially be in jail and convicted of uh, <clears throat> not being able to get a work visa. So uh, I just want to know if you guys at MMA Fighting have been interviewing him or asking him questions because it seems like he wants to get the story out there by tagging every MMA media outlet. So yeah, thanks, man. Have a good morning. Yeah, we ended up writing about it. I will assume he will probably end up on the MMA Hour to talk about it. But my first reaction was, Oh, one is dealing with weird and unfair business practices? What a shocker. You mean Chatri is leading people to believe that 
things aren't what they seem to be. Wow, look at my surprised face. It's just dumb. I, I mean, I don't know. Again, I don't know the whole story, but am I surprised? Am I surprised that a fighter has come out? Like our own Guillermo Cruz talked to one of their fighters who really shat on them. And from, you know, if you just go and read that article, and I don't remember, maybe it was Bibiana Fernandez. I'm not 100% sure. Um, but it seemed like there was more that needed to be said. And if you got Sage, if you got Sage Northcutt threatening to run down your business, you got problems, man. Like you got big problems. So, yeah, this is going to be interesting to to see how it all plays out. It seems like he's just kind of dangling the carrot right now. Here's my side of the story, but boy, do I know a whole hell of a lot more. So stay tuned. So we'll see how it goes. Just hasn't been a, a good run for one. From a business perspective, from how fighters have come out and said they've been treated. It's not every fighter. Like I'm sure Demetrius Johnson is very happy. seems like guys like Jared Brooks, who was in the UFC and ended up going over to one and is now a champion, is feeling pretty good about things. But Buddy Elbow has talked about their financials. I mean, it's all documented. Like they they have it all docked. So I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see what one is like. I actually thought last year, from a like in from a product standpoint, like a fan viewing standpoint, that was pretty good. Like I liked watching them the, the cards. I like how they mix it up. Like I, it even got to the point for me where it was like you can't compare them to the UFC anymore because they're doing like their own thing. But now it seems like they're entering 24 where they want to be like, oh, no, we're going to be – we're going to get back in MMA. We're going to be the number two organization or the 1B organization. We're like, why? What the hell are you doing? Just – golly, it's just misstep after misstep after misstep. And if you got super nice and kind Sage Northcott running you down, it's um, not good. So – I have a feeling we're going to hear a lot more about this story, and it's going to be kind of funny, I think. Uh, Tajik Bay, go ahead. Whoa, Mike. Uh, long time no see. How are you? Yes. Good. How are you, man? Good, good. Uh, I think uh, we we talked about the stars of the UFC, whether UFC is interested in promoting star or you know containing stars. Uh, I, I agree with your point that uh, – you know, UFC would rather have the control of the narrative. Um, uh, and I think uh, they're still interested in promoting the stars, but it's a limited promotion and it normally goes in two ways. Uh, one uh, is uh, geography, right? Like, so you would have like cards like, let's say, Mike Mallet or Jasmine Justavicious, right? Who have some very limited upside in terms of being global stars, but have uh, an upside in being a Canadian stars, right? So one is geographical. Um, uh, promotion, right? Like of a fighters, uh, and another is more like agenda driven, right? Like so, you would have somebody like uh, Sean Strickland, you know, talking crazy stuff, or uh, or like Bilal Mohammed or uh, talking, uh, pushing his own agenda, right? Whereas what we notice in general, the guys who are have been successful and making money throughout the sport, they have been, um, you know, transcending throughout the sport without uh, geographical limits, right, like Connor, or without any particular agenda. So these are the good examples of, like, somebody like John Jones, 
uh, Conor McGregor, uh, maybe Khabib a little bit. You wouldn't see much Khabib uh, pushing the agenda either. So, and throughout the geography, he was pretty popular um, uh, across the spaces. So that's the kind of a thing, you know, when you think about the UFC's promotion, you have to understand is that either the fighter is going to be pushed through a geography or he's going to be pushed uh, throughout uh, um, throughout particular agenda, uh, which is creates the which allows UFC to control the narrative. So that's kind of a little bit continuation of your thought. And in terms of what if, I think uh, if you're trying to think of um, the stars, maybe what if, like probably if he doesn't end up winning the title, is probably going to be somebody like Hamzat Chimaev, right? Because I think UFC could have pushed him much earlier. Uh, and he grew frustrated, and then he subscribed to a particular agenda now. So what we're what we are seeing now is him being, uh, you know, maybe controlled by narrative by UFC narrative a little bit more. And uh, we're I don't think we're necessarily going to see with that in the combination of obviously with injuries, with him being in a bad management, uh, choosing the bad management. But all in all, I think it's great. Uh, you know, these are just a couple of insights that I'd like to share. Uh, in terms of upcoming card, I'm, I'm hopeful uh, this week that uh, Jack Hermanson is going to sync up that Anaconda choke. Uh, it is great; it would be great to see Andre Feely winning and making it into top 15. I think we have a great uh, card. You know, I, I call this type of cards like a glorified Dana White contender series. You can put literally any fighter right now. It's borderline Dana White contender series. And, and people which will watch because the sport is saturated and uh, there is so much, um, there is just prevailing, there is just a dominance of one particular organization and uh, it affects the quality of the sport, uh, which is unfortunate. So, oh, and final thought, I'm going to finish with this. Uh, UFC and, and MMA is one of the very few, if not the only mainstream sport, you know, compared to NFL, MMA, MLB, and uh, NHL, right? Where the main stars of the the main stars of the sport are not the fighters themselves, because if if somebody asks you like who are the most fa- uh, famous people in the space of the in the MMA space, people will either say uh, Dana White or they're gonna say Ariel Helwani, and I think that's another shame, right? And this is something I want. Um, listeners and MMA fans to think about is to support and cheer for their fighters and do not necessarily go behind like Dana White and Ariels of the world and instead enjoy the sport and appreciate the fighters. Thank you. I mean, Connor has to be in that conversation as well. I mean, I, everybody knows who Connor McGregor is. He passes the public says, I go to Publix right now, talk to anybody. Have you ever heard of Connor McGregor? And 100% of the people will say yes. So he has to be up there. Even though he's been inactive and he's not really fighting, everybody knows who he is, whether for good or for bad. So, yeah, it's, it's just weird, man. Like, it, it's just a weird sport, and that's, and that's the thing. The UFC has gotten – just think about some of the stars that have emerged, and the UFC didn't, had nothing to do with it. Sean Strickland, perfect example. The UFC had, did nothing with Sean Strickland. They put him in a – he was the apex main event guy. And Sean would just say a bunch of weird things. But they never, like, pushed him as a star. In fact, there was all these questions about whether or not, like, Sean would ever fight for the title. Because, like, do they want to actually risk that? Does ESPN want to risk that? And Sean falls into the Izzy fight. 
and he gets over huge. And he did that by himself. The UFC didn't put Sean in that situation to become a star. They just put him in that situation to lose to Israel Adesanya so that Israel can move into 2024 and fight Jerkis Duplessis. Unfortunately, those plans did not pan out, which made it absolutely hilarious to me. But the UFC has just gotten so fortunate where, like, they just can't lose. They just – nothing can go wrong for them right now. It just can't. Sean Strickland dusts up Izzy and becomes a star in Australia. And then he goes – and then they book this fight with Strickland and DDP. We're like, why are they doing it in Toronto? Why is Sean Strickland's first title defense in Toronto? And Sean Strickland by himself got over in Toronto. And a lot of the stars that have come up, it's not the UFC making them stars. They did it on their own. They just did it. They became interesting. And then they delivered performances. So, yes, there are certain guys that, and gals that they do build up. Joe Pfeiffer, perfect example. Like Dana White wants Joe Pfeiffer to be the middleweight champion so bad. Trust me when I tell you this. Like They're going to build this dude up because Dana wants to be like, see, off my show, this guy became a champion. And Joe's like the guy. He's like the, you know, when you think of Dana White's contender series, Joe Pfeiffer is kind of like the guy you can, that you look at first because the B. Joe Pfeiffer speech, when I thought the contender series was going to get super interesting again. When Dana White said, oh, you guys suck. You got to show up on Tuesday night and deliver a performance. Don't be like these guys. Be Joe Pfeiffer. That was like my favorite moment of the contender series the last two years. It was like, yes. Now it's like the first season or the second season where even if you get a finish, like that's not enough. You got to go out and deliver across the board and we give out a contract or two every week. And then, of course, right after that week, every single fighter got a contract. And now we, we understand why. But again, can't really blame him for that because it's good business and no one's stopping him from it. So there you have it. There you have it. When you mention like some of the like what ifs, when you mention Hamzat, Zabit Magomed Sharapov is probably the, the number one answer. Like that hat, like this is family feud, bing, number one. Undefeated. Everybody was like, this guy was going to be the champ. And then all of a sudden, I'm not fighting anymore. That was a stunner. So it's probably Zabit. All right, let's keep going. Uh, Eric, I'm trying with you, but it ain't working for some reason. Uh, CV, go ahead. CV. Unmute yourself, and I think we're good. All right, try again. Jared. Uh, let's get Jared in. Jared, are you there? Unmute yourself, Jared, and you're yeah, good. What up? What's up, man? Uh, so this is my first time calling in. I can't believe this is what I want to talk about, but I've been slowly getting into WWE again. Shows you kind of how slow the uh, MMA landscape's kind of been. But I don't know if any of y'all watched the WrestleMania press conference yesterday, but I was kind of getting big. Uh, Stipe, 
Jones, Aspinall vibes. I feel like like John Jones, Roman Reigns, like the face of the company, wants to fight the old legend in Stipe or The Rock, while the deserving champion, uh, Aspinall, aka Cody Rhodes, is the one that the people want. I don't know. Maybe maybe TKO TKO is sharing ideas. I don't know. So yeah, it's Friday, so we can talk about that. I did watch it, uh, and I thought it was spectacular. I loved it. It was great, and I think the UFC should do something like this, like International Fight Week, UFC three hundred. Like, announce like the stars to come out and just like talk to the people a little bit. They get a couple questions. We do a little face off, and we get out of here. As opposed to like the normal, like vanilla things we do every single week. Like, let's have a little fun with this. And I think maybe seeing something like that, like the, the crowd was on fire. They were into everything, just star after star coming out. Like, it was pretty fucking cool. I, I loved it. I loved it. Rock coming out and turning heel, and then he slaps Cody in the face, and Cody chooses Roman, and everyone loses their minds. And now, like, Roman and Rock are like, they leave the building together. They're like on a team now. Like what the fuck's happening? I have no idea. So the build to, to Mania is going to be really fun. And I have no idea how this is going to work out. Do they do like Cody Roman Sunday, but then Saturday, do they do Roman Rock? Do they do Cody and Rollins versus Rock and Reigns headlining night one and then do the title match on Sunday? Like it was good stuff. It was good stuff. I enjoyed it. I'd like to see more of that. UFC, UFC should definitely do that. International fighting. Like, not exactly the same. But they should do something like that. I think it would be fun as hell. But, yeah, I enjoyed it. It was great. WWE's on fire right now. I know there's some... The shit with Vince McMahon is awful. But the product they're putting out there, they are just destroying it right now what's up eric the press conference yesterday will stick rock slap cody bro i think they're gonna do uh yeah i think they're gonna do uh rock roman and then rock cody on saturday no saturday is gonna do rock and then rock and cody on sunday so thanks guys yeah it's gonna be interesting to see how that all works out but yeah i enjoyed it it was good stuff they should do that this should be a an annual thing 1,000%. CV, go ahead. Yo, Mike, can you hear me? Yes. Okay, my bad. I had Twitter fingers there. I was driving. I just got home from a workout, so I'm kind of fired up. Um, Yeah, just to add on to what uh, J-Max said earlier about, like, um, any UFC fighter that could have been a star, uh, one name that comes to mind for me is uh, uh, Duho Choi, uh, Korean Superboy. Um, I thought he was going to be, like, the next face of Korean MMA taking over Korean zombie, but uh, it is what it is. But um, since it's free-for-all Friday, um, and we have two undefeated fighters fighting in next week's uh, pay-per-view, uh, Ian Gary and um, Ilya Tapuria, uh, my question for you is, out of these four fighters, uh, who stays undefeated? Um, who takes their first L? And just your just your thoughts on them. Who's, who remains undefeated out of these four? Um, Ian Gary, Ilya Tapuria... Amzat Chumayev and Shavkat Rachmanov. Thanks. Jesus. Ah, oh, man. 
Jeff Neal is like, I mean, it's good. It's such a good fight. Like I'm glad they I'm glad they went back to this one. Not that I was like a, like staunchly against the Luke booking, but this one I like better. So we're gonna get some answers. I do think Ian's gonna win. Jeff's no pushover, man. Like, when he's on, he is very tough to beat. Like, he beat the hell out of Vicente Luque. Yeah, he lost to Neil Magny. Yes, he lost to Wonderboy. And yes, he got beat by Shafkar Rukmanov. But I think everybody's going to get beat by Shafkar Rukmanov. So, I do think, I think Ian's going to win. God, Volkanovsky versus Deporia is, it just rules. This fight rules. And I know everyone's talking about 299 and 300, and I understand that. 299 is stacked. It's a loaded card. I get it. 300 is 300. All the questions are about 300. But do not sleep on 298. The main card is fantastic. It's so good. Anthony Hernandez, Roman Coppola is going to be an absolute shit show in the best possible way. Jeff Neal, Ian Gary is going to be the fight everyone's going to be talking about on Friday, heading into that Saturday. Marab and Henry Cejudo is just sneaking up on people. Robert Whitaker, Paulo Costa. That fight is so under the radar right now. It's incredible. And then Volkanovski Taporia is probably the best fight on the books right now. There's just so, I'm so freaking fascinated by this fight for so many reasons. I just have a million questions. I love this fight so much. It is the best fight on the books. I cannot wait for next Saturday. I cannot wait to sit in that studio with GC and watch this fight happen. Because if Ilya Tapori goes out there and wins, he's the dude. They're going to Spain. You have to make it happen. He's going to be a superstar. But if he loses, he is going to eat a shit sandwich the size of a double whopper, at least for a little while. Ilya will come back, no doubt about it. Dude is super talented. When you talk all that shit and you go on your Instagram page and you say, I'm already 15-0 and and I'm the UFC featherweight champion, and you don't deliver, it's going to be a tough, tough scenes for you. But if he wins... They got they got something real special with this guy. So cannot wait for that fight. It's so good. Do not sleep on 298. Please. I'm telling you, do not sleep on this card. Are the prelims sensational? No. Are they gonna be fun? I think it will be. Are we gonna get a lot of finishes? Yes, I think we will. But the main card's where it's at. The main card is where it's at. If there's 80 bucks to spend right now, you spend it on this main card. It is going to deliver. It's going to kick ass. It is going to be the best card of the year. I know it's only the, what, fourth or fifth event. 297 was pretty awful. Vegas 84, not great. 85 was not great at all. 86, I think, will be a little more fun, but not a memorable one. This one, I think, is going to be really good. This one, I think, is going to be memorable. And then I think we're just going to be off to the races after this one. Because we go from here to Mexico City. Ugh, then we got to take a stop back at the world's most famous apex for Jarzinho Rosenstrike versus Shamil Gadziev. But then we just have to stay positive here. Okay? Because once that fight ends, 
Juan Jarzinho versus Shamil Gaziev ends. It's UFC 299 fight week. It's Ngannou versus Joshua fight week. And then we're just, we're just off now on the road to UFC 300. So it's going to be an interesting time for the UFC and for the sport. And so get ready. We just got to get through one more week. We just got to get through tomorrow. And I think we're going to be okay. I think we're going to be okay. All right, last call. What do we got? If you haven't asked a question, hop on in. If not, we'll wrap up because we do have a preview show coming up to discuss this card. And I think we have uh, we have done it. So next week, we'll be back here on Tuesday. We'll do the damn thing like we always do. We'll be back here on Thursday. We'll do the damn thing as we always do. Uh, and then Friday, we will probably be on YouTube for the program because it's a pay-per-view week. And I'm sure you guys will have a lot of questions, and that will lead you into the, uh, the weigh-in show. Leo, you can hop in. Leo. I was just trying to, to bring you bring you on around. So, Leo, do we have you? Hop on in. Yeah, we tried. Let's see if we got any questions in the comments. Okay, we're good. All right. I guess we'll see you Tuesday. But 1 p.m. Eastern, Vegas 86 pre-show. I think it's me. We got Jed and New York Rick. That is the crew for the preview show, 1 p.m. Eastern. So we'll see you then. Thank you all very much. Have a great rest of your Friday and have a heck of a morning, everybody. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over. Age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle. It's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.